Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years, I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 229. So I'm going to make this intro short because I'm really excited to have a guest on today's show. I am recording this intro on March 2nd, Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. We recorded this conversation yesterday, Jill and I did, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in a moment. This episode will go up on Monday, March 6th. So you'll be listening to it then or anytime after then. I always like to orient you as the listener to time and place. Um, so today's episode is going to have a guest and I'm going to do a little intro about Jill in a moment. I just wanted to start out with one quick thing. I've been talking to a number of yoga teachers over the past several weeks, and I'm getting a sense of really just different trends, things that teachers are struggling with, uh, concerns that they have, fears, worries, things and things of that nature. And I know that sometimes, and if I say the phrase imposter syndrome to you, I bet that you know resonates in some way. Even if you're not experiencing what you believe is imposter syndrome, you may, I'm sure you have heard of it. And so I was thinking the other day, what's a way that I can help yoga teachers reframe some of those thoughts that they have that causes them to feel less than, not teaching in an authentic way or uh, afraid to show themselves, afraid to really show up for their students, holding back, all those sorts of things that kind of fall into this category of imposter syndrome. And so I had this revelation yesterday, interestingly enough, after I had this conversation that you're going to hear in a moment with Jill, and there's there's a reason why that's even more meaningful, to create a yoga teacher affirmation meditation. And so that's what I've done. I pulled together about 15 affirmations that are specifically geared for you, the yoga teacher. And this is a short guided meditation. It's audio only, and it's really meant to elevate your way of being, your frame of mind, your mindset, and really put you in a place where you feel more connected to source, you feel more present, you feel more empowered, you feel more like yourself. And I've intentionally sprinkled it 
with a number of different topics that I know are on the minds of yoga teachers, because I literally talk to dozens of teachers every single week. And so I have a, a pretty good sense of some of the common themes. And I've intentionally, I'll just give you that behind the scenes, put those in the affirmation meditation. So I would love for you to listen to this. And so if you'd like a copy, just send me a DM on Instagram and just use the phrase affirmation meditation and I'll send it to you. So with that, I would like to introduce the guest on my show today, Jill Fubister. Jill is an intuition coach and the founder of her program called Raise Your Vibe. She helps people raise their vibration and awaken their intuition. She has experience in intuition coaching. She helps people manifest their wishes and desires. She has a background also as a yoga teacher and a Reiki master. So she, um, I guess you could say, plays in the same spaces that we do as yoga teachers and then some. And she really um, focuses her work now on coaching people so that they can raise their vibration and really achieve all they want in their life and do it in a way where they feel empowered and authentic and um, connected to the present and source and, and all those states of mind and ways of being that um, I, I know that you've probably experienced even if fleeting moments they've been. And today's episode is really going to give you a lot of tools so that you can experience those moments and that way of being more and more. And the one final thing I'm going to say before we hop over to that episode, to that recording, that conversation is it was after my conversation with Jill that I had two really interesting experiences. And then the next thing was I had this really strong urge to create this yoga teacher affirmation meditation. And I don't want to go into all the specifics of some of the weird things that happened after my conversation with Jill. And when I say weird, I mean weird in a really good way. It just though to me was a huge sign from the universe that when we put ourselves in spaces and places where we are open-minded, where we have conversations about things that aren't necessarily 3D things that we can touch, but they are states of mind and ways of being and appreciating that there's so much going on in our environment that we can be unaware of. But when we tap into it by increasing our vibration and even having conversations like the one you're going to hear with Jill and I in a moment, so much more becomes possible because we are so much more present and open to possibility. And that's why I really truly believe that I was inspired to create this affirmation meditation after I had my conversation with Jill. And I don't think that was random. And honestly, I created it in about 10 minutes all of the things just spontaneously came to me and I absolutely love how it came out and I'm already sharing it with, with teachers because they've been requesting it. So again, you can ask for that by DMing me affirmation meditation. And with that, I want to transition 
to the most important part of this episode, which is my conversation with Jill. And you're going to hear that starting right now. Hi. Hello, Jill. How are you? I'm so good. How are you doing? Very good. It looks like you okay. got a lot, of, a lot of sunshine behind you there. Oh, and we've got a winter storm and it's insane. We had sun yesterday, okay. but um, we have these winds that are so strong. So you wow. may hear the wind. It's pretty okay. powerful. What um, part of California are you in again? I'm Laguna Beach. So Southern okay. California. Yeah. Um, now you didn't, did you get any snow? Like I saw in the news. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I live like right on the beach. Um, well, like across, but our little town did not get beach, but our Canyon got, I'm sorry. Our Canyon got snow and I know, I know, but like it was hail and we did get hail at our house, but not enough for me to be like, it snowed. Right. But our, our Canyon, which the Canyon can drop to 32 degrees mm -hmm. that got, um, snow, but it didn't, you know, it's not like the mountains. It didn't last. Right. It set for a moment and then melted. Wow. I didn't see it with my eyes, but I did see photos of people posting and friends were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, Miles. I saw near LA, they have quite a bit, the Hollywood Hills. Oh, all our Hills covered. I've never, I've lived here my entire, my entire life. I've never seen it this white before, like just coated. Like someone just took a I don't know, like a paintbrush and painted the snows. It's beautiful. It is yeah. beautiful though. Yeah. Well, living here in Boston, we see quite I don't see a ton, but we definitely get it. And we know when, you know, we know when we're getting it. We expect to get it during these months. So it's nice that we gave some to you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Very but um, cool. Very I'm cool. not, I'm not built for the winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure I saw some people on the news yesterday near LA shoveling in like summer gear. And I thought this is not the way to do it. So <laughs> all right. Weird weather. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's just so great to have you on the show. And I know oh. we talked about two or three weeks ago yes. uh, about you coming on. And I sort of was thinking this morning, I don't necessarily remember exactly the order of things we were going to talk about. I feel like though, it's, it's always nice to kind of do things spontaneously. And I feel like things can happen spontaneously. And, and that's, you know, that's, that can be a really fun experience for the listener. So yeah. I thought a nice place to start now that the listeners know where you are, you're in California. Yes. <laughs> um, maybe a good place to start would be for you to talk a little bit, just introduce yourself to the listener and tell us what you do and what you focus on. Yeah, of course. So hi, I'm Jill Fubister and thank you for having me on. I'm an intuition coach. So I work with my students with increasing their frequency so they can strengthen their intuition and manifest faster. And before I actually began this journey of teaching this, I actually was a yoga teacher That's and right. I was using this in teaching my yoga through my sequences, running the yoga studio. Um, and then I got, I became a mom and I stepped away from that. And then the calling just kept coming to me of like, it's time. And I started, uh, my coaching program on helping people access and turn up that notch to their intuition. Awesome. So yeah. I think a really good place to start is for us to talk about what is intuition. 
Of course. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, have you ever had that moment in your life where you're like, Oh, I should have trusted my gut. I knew it. Yeah. Have you ever said, yeah. Yeah. So intuition is that knowing it is unbiased. It is truth. It is the way I see it. It is your connection to your higher self source universe. You use the word, whichever resonates with you. And Mm -hmm. it's like your personal connection to that Mm -hmm. divine mind, your Mm -hmm. telephone line that allows the information to come through. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that you define it that way. And especially with that example, it definitely brings it home for me because I think about times when I wanted to do something, but I gave in to a limiting belief. And so that makes me think about not only intuition, I'm also wondering, is there a connection between sort of the conscious mind and the unconscious mind? And does intuition sort of factor in there? Because I think for so many people, they have not only the experience you describe, and at the same time, they're also in retrospect thinking, oh, why couldn't I have had the courage to do the thing? Right. So a lot of it gets down to when my students go on this journey, they learn to trust themselves and trust that, that gut instinct. Mm -hmm. And the way we look at it as we're spiritual beings, having a human being experience and intuition, we're all born with it. That is a natural state to have, but we also are human and being human comes with the analytical mind, the fears and the doubts. And what I'm teaching is how to live in harmony. So you can work as a team with both sides of that. And yes, intuition is always there. And is it the other part of the brain that's turned up so loud? We just can't hear it. And then we shift into the way I love seeing it is it's like a car who's driving your car, your higher self or fear. Mm -hmm. And we can go back and forth all day long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I was listening to a comedian over the weekend. I think his name is Nate Bergotti or Berzotti. And he was talking about in a comic sense, how you can have one side of your brain and another side of your brain. And that's how dumb your brain is. Cause you can tell the dumb part, what you want <laughs> to do, and it'll actually listen to you, but it's in the same head. It was this whole riff on the conscious versus the unconscious through the eyes of comedy. And I was cracking up because it's (laughs) it's true. And of course, in the comedic sense, he was making a joke of it. In your description that you just gave, it is obviously much more elegant and nuanced. (laughs) Um, But check check that out. If you Google Nate, I think it's Berzotti or Bergotti. Anyway, um, I would love to have you talk a little bit about, you know, if we have this natural state of intuition, Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're having this human experience, which is filled with doubts and self-limiting beliefs and things that hold us back. I guess there's kind of a two-part question here. How do we move past those doubts? And well, let's start there. How, how can we kind of turn up the volume of our intuition and have the courage to do the things that are block, that we're blocked over? Okay. So first thing to acknowledge is to know that you're already intuitive. I already asked you, have you ever had that moment of where you go, Oh, I should have trusted my gut. And you said, yes. So that proves you are intuitive and it doesn't disappear. You haven't closed the door. It's just there. How do we turn that notch up? 
we need to become aware of that inner voice, the voice that just keeps talking, talking, talking. And if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't have a little voice in my head. That's the voice I'm referring to that inner critic. It sometimes sounds just like a whisper, but just before you're about to step outside your comfort zone, you're bumping up against it. And then it bumping up against, and it gets really, really loud of like, Oh, don't do this. The fear we need to become aware of that voice the monkey mind, the monkey chatter in order to become aware of that. Now, you know, Oh, I need to turn that down and to turn that down. You become the observer. You're not on autopilot. You're observing it like a scientist, just watching, listening the, to the voice, but you're not in it writing the voice. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, I think when you said autopilot, that really hit home for me because I feel like that reminds me of an experience. And I've had this a couple of times. I try to every day I get out and get out of the house because you can stay in the house all the time now that we're all shifting our lifestyles and have for several years now. And so every afternoon I go to a Starbucks and I usually go to the same one, but sometimes I change to go to a different one. And I have books I read and all these other things I do. I write in my journal, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I'll be on autopilot and I want to go to the other Starbucks, but I'll find myself driving to the other one, which I didn't want to go to on that particular day. So that to me is like literal autopilot. It sounds like though you're talking about autopilot as it relates to maybe behaviors we have both. We don't want to. It's all of it because it's all connected. So even with your Starbucks situation, that as well, we're creatures of habit. So can you shift it into, I'm going to try somewhere new. Like for example, I'll play around with, um, whenever I'm driving, I always take the same route, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel a nudge to go to the right. I I never turn on this street. Let's just see where it goes. What's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's doing those little shifts that get us out of autopilot that gets us to be step. It's like, slow down, step back and observe. And what that's really doing is it's dropping us more into our body, which I'm sure, you know, a lot about, and it's bringing us into the present moment mm-hmm. and only in the present moment can intuition exist. Mm-hmm. It does not exist in the past nor the future, but the analytical mind loves to be a time traveler and go into both places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I actually, when you were talking about turning down a different road, it reminded me of something else, which is, I saw this TikTok video recently about when you go to a coffee shop, go to one that's not only one you've never been to, but one that's in an area that's really upscale, like maybe in the Four Seasons Hotel or something, and just sort of put yourself in a coffee shop in a place that sort of elevates the whole experience and just see like, you know, and and I suppose if someone listening to this is, is very, very wealthy, and that's something they do all the time, then that probably wouldn't apply to them. But I think when we think about manifesting things and kind of fast forwarding the process or even just putting ourselves in the physical space with people who maybe have abundance on the 3d level. I thought that was kind of an interesting exercise. And I thought, Oh gosh, you know, there's certainly a bunch of places I can think of in my area that I could go to instead of Starbucks. (laughs) Absolutely. And I love that you say that that is so, I'm going to add to that because 
it's exactly what you're saying. You're putting yourself in that energy. Yeah. And everything's energy. So when you're doing that, you too, you can choose to allow your vibration to match that frequency of that upscale coffee shop, or you choose not to, but if you're immersing yourself in that energy, it's going to impact you as well. Yeah. It reminds me too of, um, last January, I, one of my new year's resolutions was to get a a red mini Cooper. And I wanted one for many, many years and my Subaru was dying. And I've told this story before on the podcast, but it's a, it's a perfect example of this. I, purposefully went the first week of January last year to the local dealership, knowing that I really didn't want to buy a brand new one, but wanting, I had never, ever sat in a Mini Cooper my whole life, but I had always like coveted them from afar. And so I went to the dealership and I pretended I was going to buy a brand new Mini Cooper. So I got the Royal treatment and it was probably like less than a week later that I found a perfect one that was barely used and was a 2013, but they never hardly ever drove it. And it was literally the red two-door hardtop, the exact car I wanted. And I got it for like a fraction of obviously what the new one would cost, but it was in mint condition. And what started, it was two weeks earlier, I went to the dealership and looked at the new ones. (laughs) Exactly. And, And you did that. You manifested that. Yeah, totally, totally. So, um, so let's kind of make the connection because I feel like, you know, with the example I just gave, you know, people call that manifestation. I know at the ground level, I was doing a lot of research around Mm -hmm. what are dealerships that have used Mini Coopers. And so there was a lot of 3D project planning type stuff that I did. I think there definitely was a connection between just the aura of being in the dealership of the new one and keeping me on track to actually make it happen. So what do you see as the connection between maybe not that exact experience, but the idea of um, working to, you know, generate something in your life that you don't have and how does that relate to intuition or are those two separate things? I mean, I guess we could call it manifestation. <clears throat> I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So I actually think they're both very much connected. And the more that you walk this path, you're going to see how everything is connected. Mm-hmm. So if we take a look at what manifestation means and what it is, my definition of manifestation, what I teach my students, it is the physical representation of your dominant vibration. So everyone always looks at just law of attraction, which is an extremely powerful law. But if we step back and look at, okay, what happens before law of attraction? We have the law of vibration. Everything is energy. Everything is vibrating Mm -hmm. and you are energy. So -hmm. whatever's going on internally inside within you, it is reflected out because, you know, our chakras, you, you are not only receiving, you also are transmitting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as you send out these signals, like you're saying with manifesting your car, you were putting yourself in that energy Mm -hmm. internally, externally, you're thinking of it when you're thinking of it, you're excited. You can see it, you can feel it. And that's what begins to attract it in, but you, it starts with your energy, your vibration Mm -hmm. and your dominant vibration. Mm -hmm. 
So is that something that you can change? Like, I mean, Absolutely. The, the easy example I think of if you wake up and you're in a bad mood or for a yoga teacher, if you're in a bad mood and you have to teach a class and you need yeah. to be sort of outward focused, that is also, isn't that also an example of a vibrational state that you're in? Yes. And so when you go through raise your vibration, that's actually what we're doing is I'm working with your dominant vibration. We figure out where you are dominantly. And then throughout the whole course, we're shifting it. And you're each week, you're getting in a toolbox of things you can do to shift your energy. And one of my, I mean, we can talk about meditation. It's a great one being in a state of gratitude. Um, where's your attention? Where are you putting your focus? If you were to look at your vision board, if you have one and you see, you put a, let's put it, let's say you want to manifest, um, you work with yoga students, yoga students, let's say they want to manifest, uh, two new classes on their schedule. So they have that on their vision board, but mm -hmm. every time they look at their vision board and they see those two classes, they get, oh, I still don't have it. Mm. Oh, I just really want it. And it actually brings them down. Mm. that's what they're attracting because that's where their attention and energy is. Mm -hmm. So you want to shift it into it's coming. And I love using this example. You said you lived in Boston, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm out in Southern California. So if I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go drive to you, the moment I get in my car and I start driving, I don't say, Oh, I'm, I just want to go to Boston. No, what am I probably saying? I'm so excited. I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. That is where we want to put our attention and our focus mm -hmm. of knowing that we've already sent the signal. We've already created the intention. Mm -hmm. And wherever and whenever we put our attention, our intention, it will manifest as long as you keep yourself in that vibration and you let go of the how mm -hmm. and you co-create with the universe to mm -hmm. bring it in. Yeah. And as you're speaking, you know, we're talking about it in the kind of the context of manifestation, although it sort of sounds like it's also a great way to move past limiting beliefs. Like I think about so many of the yoga teachers I speak with and how they feel like they don't have a lot of confidence or they're afraid to really be authentic when they're teaching. Maybe they have a belief that people will judge them or a belief that they're not experienced enough. So it sounds like raising your vibration is a way to also shift those self-limiting beliefs and maybe Absolutely. even pass them, isn't it? Absolutely. And 100%. And everything you said, when I began my yoga journey, totally had those thoughts. Mm -hmm. I totally had that. Yeah. Um, and raising your vibration, if you're actually really thinking of what is raising your vibration, it's letting go. Mm. And so many times we think letting go is a loss, but letting go is returning to who you truly are. And if you knew who you truly are, you wouldn't doubt yourself because you're so powerful in creating, but we weren't set up with the tools of creating and, yeah. and, and believing in ourselves. Yeah. And I think that particular example of returning to who you are is so much of a theme that I hear when I talk to yoga teachers. I mean, these days I hear so many teachers talk about imposter syndrome. And so that's kind of the antithesis of returning to who you are. It's being somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe intentionally or unintentionally, you're sort of sounding like your mentor, the first teacher you had, you don't really intend to sound that way, but 
what else are you going to do? And maybe you're afraid to show yourself. So that um, returning to who you are, I think is what you said, really spoke to me because that, you know, I, I have as one of my, my pillars, this idea of authentic teaching, like how can I empower teachers to be authentic? And so it sounds like that's related to this central idea that you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and with the yoga world, we don't need two of the same teachers. We need who that person is, that yoga teacher. We need them because there is no other person like them. And the way that they are going to cue and lead and create that sequence is exactly what that person that they attracted into their class needs. And for them to lean into that. Yeah. And I always say, you know, to teachers, when I talk to them about this topic, this idea of, you know, differentiating yourself really lies in this area. I mean, you could go to three yoga classes with three different teachers. They could teach the same sequence, but if they're each leaning into their own authentic way of being, even if they taught the exact same sequence, it would be different. I mean, it'd be totally right. And so it's, it's, um, even if they, I, I think even if they had the same script, because then you have their tone of voice and what they emphasize and their voice as a tool and all the different ways you can use your voice as a tool. So yes, I, I think that that you can really make that parallel to yoga teaching. So I'm glad that we are doing that because yeah. I know a lot of people listening are yoga teachers. So one of the things I do remember when we talked a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this is that you were saying when you work with people in your program and and your program is really not necessarily for yoga teachers. I mean, you maybe have had some. Yeah. Anybody who wants to come and learn. Yeah. And I remember you were saying something about when I just used the word pillar, it reminded me that there were sort of four different, three or four different pillars in your program that you focus on. Like um, oh, now I'm trying to remember. <laughs> well, uh, do you remember? I, yeah, well, I remember there were different areas that you were helping people. So different, like almost different, oh. different kinds of like program tracks or like within the program, you know, you stated at the beginning, kind of the overall goal is to get people to tap into their intuition. So how are they actually doing that? What does that look like? Yeah. So what we're actually doing is we're calling back your personal power, Um, your energy, personal power. That's your energy that you've leaked and you leak your personal power by wherever you give it away. And no one can actually take your personal power away from you. You hand it over whether you want to or don't want to. It's those areas of where do we give our power away to fear? Where do we stay quiet and not speak our truth because we don't want to rock the boat? Mm-hmm. Where do we, um, another great one is, um, I'll do, I'll set this one up for yoga teachers. Um, I want to be on a class schedule, but I don't want to be seen mm. so that you can see how that's out of alignment. Right. And that's, that's the game they're playing, but they won't ever win that game because they're giving their personal power away to, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be seen, but to be a yoga teacher, to be and lead a class, you're going to need to be seen. You're going to need to be seen. I kind of see that too. And I know 
if people are listening, if, if someone's listening and, and this is them, it might ruffle some feathers. I, I do see it too when I talk to teachers and they're practicing with their class for the entire class. And when I dig a little bit around why that is, a lot of times it's because they're really leaning into their sequence as the source of their cueing because they're not really comfortable standing there and cueing. And so I sort of have this saying where I say, you know, well, I can help you break up with your practice as the source of your cues because it's super easy once you learn how to practice yoga to, to do the practice and just say what you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's that shift though, when you're not able to do it and you have to stand there and say it, you know, yes. and I always think it's interesting when teachers say to me, it's so much harder than I thought, because I know, of course, what to do. If you put me on the mat, I know what to do, but now I'm standing there and they're looking at me and I'm being seen. And that's bringing up a whole bunch of feelings that I want to avoid. Totally. And I actually remember that shift for myself as a yoga teacher, where we had a class that was so full that I had no choice. I was put in that position. I couldn't lay out a mat. I had to get rid of my mat yeah. and we were mat to mat. And I'm like, and here we go. I just have to take the leap and see what happens. Yeah. And I remember having to learn that not my attention is kind of in two places. My yeah. attention is on them. And also going through the whole sequence and yeah. being able to be facilitating both of that yeah. and holding that space. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what I encourage teachers to do, and there's a whole conversation I have with them about the benefits of not practicing with your class, but I encourage them to start out by don't do anything where your hands are on the floor as a beginning mm -hmm. transition to working yourself to the point where you're just walking in and teaching. And, um, even that sometimes I've had, I have quite a few teachers in my program who they're emailing me now and they're saying, oh my God, I'm finally starting to avoid putting my hands on the mat. I'm still kind of moving my arms around and maybe I'm doing like a dancer's pose with them or warriors with them, but I'm not putting my hands on the ground, which the big piece of that is now they can see their students. So now yeah. when you talk about vibration and shifting your vibration and you as the facilitator, the, the teacher, seeing your students, I would think when you think about it through your energetic lens, the vibrational lens, isn't that a part of creating that vibration for them? Absolutely. And everyone has free will and those students have the choice of matching that frequency or I'm just going to stay where I am. Right. And you have, you're, you become such a, such a powerful teacher when you do that, because you're leading the room, exactly what you're talking about when yeah. you can just be there with your students and you can see them, mm -hmm. you're holding the space, you're leading the energy in the room. You can also, and that's also when you can intuitively pick up because now you're tuning to the students of what they need. Mm. So, um, you can help them there as well, which yeah. I always used my intuition that was the beginning of me letting actually that class was like the turning point for me when I had to give up the whole, I have to be on my mat and do the whole sequence with them. That was the turning point for me where I had to, well, here we go. No mat. I have to be in the room. And now that was when I let go also of my planned sequence. Yeah. 
And I started to pick up of what everyone needed in the room. Mm-hmm. And that became an even more powerful class, mm-hmm. even though my mind was like, what am I doing? Oh my gosh, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm so freaking out. And at yeah. the end, it became one of my strongest classes I ever taught. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you talked about personal power, and I, I even think of personal power when it comes to yoga teaching in terms of um, kind of standing up for your value, standing up for your, not value, your worth. I talk to a lot of teachers who are accepting like $25 a class or who know someone who wants a private session and they don't feel comfortable charging them at all because they sort of know them through somebody else. It's not like somebody they don't know. So I'll talk to them and they'll say, oh, they were referred to me by a friend. So I really am not charging them. And so there's sort of that personal power. They're giving that away. How do you sort of in your maybe in your program and in working with people, how do you coach them to sort of take that power back? And it's not, I I think power sounds a little heavy handed. It's not like powerful, like you're overpowering the person. Correct. How can you describe personal power? So it sounds like that. Yes, absolutely. And I totally understand if anyone is listening, they're like, wait a minute, power, like power might take over the world. No, 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 no. Again, so personal power means energy. So I want you to look at your personal power as if you were to create a list of all the things that light you up and then create a list of all the things that don't light you up, that trigger you, upset you, drains your light, dims your light. Those areas in our life that dims our light is where we want to pay attention to because that's where we're giving our personal power away. We are not referring to power. I'm going to take over the world. This is your personal energy. Or overpowering somebody. It's not like you're going and as a yoga teacher saying, everybody's going to do this and no more. Right, right, right. Things like that. Yeah. And when you describe it in that way, I have another teaching example that comes up, I think about teachers who accepted a pay rate for a class that they knew was really too low. And now they're months into teaching that class. And when they go to that class and they drive to that class or walk to that class, whatever it is, they're sort of feeling that reminder of, oh, why, why am I teaching this class? This is not, you know, for whatever economical reason, this, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, they are not able to pay more and I'm accepting less. And that makes me feel like maybe they're not thinking of I've given my power away. It's sort of in a way that dynamic though, right? Because you're accepting less than your worth. Totally. And And I, I've been there. In fact, when I started my yoga journey, I started, I don't know if you've heard of this, it's kar- karmic hours. You work for free. So- oh, okay. Well, there are, everybody has a version of that. Some people call it a community class or some okay. people have something on the schedule. That's like a way for new teachers to get experience. So yes. they rotate teachers through like noon on Wednesdays is community class. And I think it might even be less expensive for the consumers, the students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a thing called karma hours. And I was doing it three times a week, four hours a day. And I was making no money. 
clearly you don't make any money, but I was doing it with like, I know this is my, my step in my foot in the door, which after six months, yeah, but six months of not being able to take on another job, like that was draining. And I learned so much about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, one of it was I learned about Aini and Aini is all about an energy exchange and there, you need to have an energy exchange. And when you realize, so when you were talking about, you had a student who came to you like, well, I kind of got referred from a friend, so I don't want to charge. They may be thinking to themselves like, oh, I, I don't want to take their money. You're not taking their money. We need to get back to the root that everything is energy. Money is energy. Mm-hmm. And if you see it as you're taking money, you're not taking money from them. They, if I was to give you a gift, did, did you take a gift from me? No, No, I, I'm handing it to you. That's something I want to do. And for a yoga teacher to lead a class and the students to get the benefit and the healing out of it, they, Mm -hmm. there needs to be an energy exchange. And I understand everything you're sharing and what your students are talking about with that, because I've been there. And I did it for way too long and to move through that and to find your, your own, your own like value in that it's, it is a person, it's a personal journey. You have to go through to experience it, but I need sacred law of reciprocity. Yeah. And I think that particular dynamic of, oh, you want to teach here at the studio, you need to do some sort of mentorship hours or whatever it's called karma hours something where you're giving of yourself for free like you're not going to be paid but you're doing it to try to you know put in your time and make relationships I sort of feel like for many many years that's been baked into the industry especially when it comes to wanting to teach your particular studio so I don't know I mean I certainly did my fair share of those hours. I traveled to different places and assisted my first teacher and didn't get paid. It's a whole thing, but that was before I knew about this, you know, exchange and exactly what you said, this idea of when you think of it in the context of yoga teaching as just the taking of the money, isn't it sort of that you are ignoring what you said. You're sort of devaluing what your role is in that two-person exchange. Like you're teaching yoga, right? Yeah. Like that's what you're giving the person. So the person paying you is it's, an, it's, like, it's a beautiful exchange. So the energy can continue to flow. And it's like, um, I love seeing, this is the way, um, when I first really understood Aini, the, uh, image and what I had channeled was when you look at the sun and the sun gives off light and energy and it passes on to the trees. And then the trees take that energy and they pass it on to us so we can breathe and we breathe. And that is what I'm referring to with this energy exchange. And if you stop it, if the yoga teacher stops it and doesn't want to pass on the energy the student doesn't receive a powerful healing through mm. that, whether you want to call yoga healing, but like a yo- yeah. the, the benefits of doing the, the class. Yeah. There's a whole, I mean, it's a whole... Yeah. You can sort of look at it through the 
economic lens. You can look at it through the energy lens. You can yeah. kind of look at it in different ways, just like as a teaching lens. So I think that's such a great way. And even when you gave the sun example, I was thinking even of the benefit of sun on the things that we eat because yes. it grows the plants and all of that kind of stuff. So it's like a full circle. It sure is. It's yeah. beautiful. And nature's always showing and teaching us. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all connected. Absolutely. So, all right. So you were talking, we got kind of down this road because we were talking about personal power and the yes. of personal power. So we sort of went there. So are there other pieces that you're reviewing with folks when they're working with you inside the program? Like the personal power is one piece. Yeah. So um, we do personal power. We do, I mean, my students learn how to cut cords, energetic cords. Oh, what's they, that? Okay, so um, cords are, they are energetic attachments. So my students will learn how to detach and let go of, because the whole program is all about letting go and returning to who you truly are. It's a remember who you are. and. So often, if, and this goes with manifesting something you want, but there's some, you're here, you're right over here and you want something over here, whatever's in the middle, there's resistance to mm -hmm. creating whatever you want. And it's letting go of that resistance, whatever that might be for someone, um, whether it's a, a money story belief. Yeah. Or, that's the one that came to my mind. Uh, yeah. So that's it, the one in particular came to my mind only because there's a lot of teachers I talk to who want to get from like where they are now to where they want to be. And mm -hmm. what's in the way is sometimes it's my program, another program. They, they know that there's skills and knowledge that they need, but they're afraid to spend the money. So I sort of see that as it's not really a cord. How would you, is it? A yeah, so what they are, they have, so that's going to be a money story. Mm -hmm. And they think that money is going to get all back to money is energy and money's actually neutral. And if you are thinking of money and it is triggering thoughts of, oh, I'm going to run out. Um, do you have money stories? Like money stories of, oh, money doesn't grow on trees. I don't have uh, enough. Right. I don't have enough. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like one of mine was taking, like I had a story of like, oh, I'm taking from people. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to neutralize those stories and let them go. Mm -hmm. And that what we want to do is bring ourselves back to when we think of money, we don't feel again, do we light up or do we become dim? Mm -hmm. Where's our personal power? are we only going to be, here's a great question. What does money give you? Um, I think it gives you maybe opportunity or access or physical 3d stuff. Okay. What else? Um, maybe it gives you a sense of security or maybe it gives you <clears throat> the ability to do things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. I love that. So security. And would you also say maybe freedom? Cause you were talking about opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so often people think, oh, once I have money, I will have security and freedom. You just gave your personal power to, a way to it. Yeah. So right. what you want to do is find all that security right now and mm -hmm. all that freedom right now in your life. And when yeah. you're in that space, 
more money comes in because you're not giving your power away to money. Yeah. Cause you can have all those things, even without the tangible, I think the yeah. idea of neutrality is something that's like so foreign to people because money is such a charged thing topic wise and you know um just even in the physical sense of having not having wanting not being able to have something because you've tied it to and I, I think of the number of conversations I have with teachers that surround this feeling of upset and angst and longing and wanting and not having enough money. I mean, it is rampant. And then in addition, when you talk to them, I remember this one teacher I talked to, and she said that she'd been covering a whole bunch of classes and she found herself at the end of this week eating at like Taco Bell at like nine o'clock at night thinking, is, is this all there is? Like, this is now what it's going to be. And I didn't know at the time what she was making per class. And when we were talking a couple of weeks later about her working with me inside my program, she shared that she was, I don't know, it was something quite low. It was under $50 a class. So I was like, wow, I could see how it is very angst driven because you're doing all this physical stuff and mm -hmm. similar to the personal power conversation, you're not seeing the INI is being reciprocated. Yes. And so that leaves that person feeling like the energy exchange isn't, isn't equal. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Not good. Not a, not a good <laughs> situation. So, all right. So the cutting of the cords, when I think of cutting of the cords, is it because you're attached to a person or is it a feeling or it can be a person situation or a thing. Now, when, I mean, this is all, I mean, this is a whole thing we go through. So to summarize it very like to the point of what we're doing is if there is something that you, or something or someone that you are, when you think of it and it's triggering you, what we are doing is we're going to complete that karma. And to complete that karma is we are going to stop the wheel, the wheel of karma. And to do that is through forgiveness. And so I take them through a whole, they have, we do a meditation. Um, they have a, they have a meditation. We do um, a forgiveness ritual, and then they have a whole entire toolbox that they can choose from um, using their intuition, which resonates with them, how they would like to release this and stand complete with it. And it is not so often when we talk about cutting cords, people think it's like, let's just say we were to cut car cords with a person, um, a person. It doesn't mean, oh, we don't like that person. It doesn't mean that person's getting out of our life. Like, shoo, go away. What we're doing is just, we are filling that space with love and forgiveness. And we're honoring the lesson that that person came into our life due to the law of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. There was a lesson and mm -hmm. we honor that lesson. We love it. We say, thank you. I'm not saying whatever that person or thing did was right, but it's our job and our responsibility to heal it and mm -hmm. to stand complete. Yeah. And I mean, I think the example I think of most of all is like, if you are in a relationship with someone and it ends, right. There was a right. person came into your life. Although I suppose there could be lots of other examples. Maybe a business partnership falls apart. Absolutely. Maybe even, matter of fact, I mean, another example I can think of is I was talking to a teacher recently who had 
um, oh, I know what it was. She was going through teacher training and had something going on in her personal life that was unexpected that interfered with her being able to really get the most out of teacher training as possible. And so now she was done with teacher training, but she had so much, not even of an unresolved feeling, but, and not really exactly resentment, but she couldn't let herself off the hook that this thing had happened that had interfered with her ability to get the most out of training. She had missed some sessions, the sessions she was in, people knew what she was going through and they were consoling her, but obviously she was distracted. So she was just in such angst over her experience, couldn't be what she meant it to be. And then as it turned out, she had accepted money from some of her friends and family to pay for her teacher training. So she felt this additional pressure because she felt like she had let them down. And it was that sort of thing. When you talk about cutting cords and in my conversation with her, it was very apparent that the cord, like I never thought of that particular metaphor when I was talking to her, but it was clear that there was a connection she had to this perspective on the situation. So it wasn't even a person, it was a situation and she exactly passed it. And it was so, it was so, I felt so much for her because it was obviously, it was quite distressing for her. Exactly. And so those are the things that we work on to see the lesson, be grateful, even though it's like really hard, um, but you forgive yourself and the situation because the only way you're going to be able to move through it is if you stand complete. Mm -hmm. And that is how whatever memory, whatever thing comes up, you're freeing it. Right. Letting it go. Right. Okay. So, so we're talking about cord cutting cords. You talked earlier about personal power. Are there any other? Oh, yes. Another big one, which is like my favorite thing to talk about is like dreams. So I do dream interpretations. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> I love, love talking about dreams. Um, it is probably one of my favorite spiritual tools. I, I say that about everything because I teach my students how to see auras, channeling, having downloads, uh, communicating with their guides and dream interpretations is one of my favorites because when you're working with intuition, I truly believe that the doorway, the portals that open at dream time, you're just so much more open than right now here in this 3D because we're more awake when we're asleep than we are right now, just us talking. Mm-hmm. And you're just more open once you're asleep. And so things can come in. You can- so in yeah. your program, do people come to you and share dreams that they've had? And that we've had, I've had some people who will want to know, but I'm teaching what I'm teaching. And this is very important is that no one will know. You can have me as a dream interpreter and oh, okay. I can help guide you. However, the best person to know what the dream meant will always be you because the dream was meant for you. And Mm -hmm. I teach my students how they can interpret their dreams, how they learn the language of dream time. So whatever message needs to come through for them to understand it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, all the decisions, major decisions I've made in my life came through dream time, becoming a yoga teacher through dream time, launching my raise your vibration coaching program through dream time. Mm -hmm. So I use my dreams to help guide me. What's the connection between dreaming and intuition? Like, yes, 
yeah i'm sort of okay. I thought no, of no, it. no. i sort of feel like that might be a connection okay. there okay so intuition this is i love this we we're talking right now right and i had said how when you're asleep you're more awake and when you're more awake in dream time that is when you can receive messages from guidance from your um your higher self from guides and that is when those messages can come in easier mm-hmm. whereas if we're walking around in our day-to-day life right now with our intuition we may be so in the 3D and not seeing the guidance coming in. So when you first begin working with intuition, sometimes the easiest way to receive all your signs, messages, guidance will be in dream time because yeah, you're not filtering through yeah. the ego, through that analytical 3D mind. Yeah. But you have to be careful because when you wake up and you start remembering your dream and you start interpreting it, you need to make sure you you can also be at peace of not knowing what it means. Because if we get too much into the, what did this, what is this, what is this, the, I need to figure it all out. Then we drop out of our heart and body and we go straight into the head, into the brain and the brain is working and it could be distorting the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny when you describe it that way, this idea of like, I, I even think of on the physical level, if someone has limited range of motion in their joint, but you put them on the operating room table and you give them anesthesia, they will have full range of motion of that joint. Oh, um, that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sleeping state, you can have very good range, even if in the awake state. So it's similar to what you were saying before, when you're awake, you have all this 3D stuff that's coming in that's sort of affecting how you are, how you see the world. But when you're asleep, it's like, you can turn up the volume on your intuition. And the cool thing that I think about that is, but your intuition is not sending you messages in kind of a literal 3D way. It's sending you messages, like depending on how somebody dreams, they could dream in images, they could dream in colors, they could dream in something that's like, so many people have stories. I was in this house and this happened and that happened. And it's like, what does that mean? So it's just kind of, interesting to think about the volumes turned up. Yes. Although the way it's communicating with your thinking mind is not in super clear terms. Cause it's not like you wake up and you know exactly what it means. You have to still sort of work to figure out right. well, what was my intuition trying to tell me there. Right. So we have two types. Um, like where I begin with students is we have, if you look at it, it's two different types well, we have many different types of dreams, but for this sense, I'm going to talk about just two kinds of dreams. And one type of dream is your, um, the language of dreams is being told through symbols. There are universal symbols and then your personal symbols. And I love using this one as an example. So if I was to look at a dog for me, and I think about a dog, I love dogs. Dogs are so happy. They're just unconditional love. And that would be also similar to a universal language of a dog. But if you're someone who's like, no, I've actually been attacked by dogs. I don't like dogs. Then you're, when you see a dog in your dream and you see a dog, obviously personally, dog is not unconditional love. That is your, um, you would go to what your personal meaning is. And again, learning dreams, it is a journey and you have every night to practice it. 
but you need to understand the universal meaning. And also, is that a universal meaning or my personal meaning? Mm -hmm. So you're going to be asking the questions and yeah. Okay, cool. So we've got the personal power piece. We've got the cord cutting. We've got the dreams. You've talked about meditation as a tool. Yes. So that's also stuff that people, that's also an activity that people are doing in the program. Um, we yeah. know, you know, about meditation as a tool. Is that also a way, I mean, are there certain things that we can do when we're meditating to turn up the volume of our intuition? Absolutely. So obviously meditation is not something we do. It's a state of being and we're being aware. You're being aware of the thoughts that are going through and you'll, it's just like when you're teaching your yoga class and I'm very meditation based when I would teach yoga. So I would always start with a meditation to get my students to quiet their minds. So they can drop into their bodies. Mm -hmm. And it's all about becoming aware. That is what you want to do. You want to become aware of the monkey mind. When you're aware of the monkey mind, when you can see the monkey mind, you can go, okay, it's there. Okay. And then focus in on your breath. And you're in the present moment. And that is when you can hear the silence and in the silence, there's communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, listen for the answer and it's going to show up. You just have to sort of quiet things down so you can hear what the answer exactly, is. Exactly. Exactly. Um, are there any other components or things that people are doing when you're working with them? Like we've yeah. covered um, what else are we doing? There's so many, there's so many fun things that we're always doing. I'm trying to now rec, um, uh, let's see. I mean, maybe another thing that I'd be kind of curious about is yeah. what, I mean, we're talking about a lot of this stuff as it relates to yoga teachers, but again, you are seeing all different kinds of people when you work with them. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious, like what, is there a certain type of person that you're working with that comes to you? Is it like mostly women? Is it mostly men? Is it a mix? Is it like, are there certain things that you've seen yeah. since you um, working with people that attracts a certain kind of person to your program? Yeah, so I, problem they want to solve or a lot of them, they it's releasing self-doubt. They want to trust themselves and they are starting to, they've had the experience of like, oh, when I'm talking, I get chills or I start, I'm starting to have powerful dreams, but I don't know what it means. Um, I'm feeling this gentle tug inside me to want to begin to communicate more with my guides or hear my higher self or start working with crystals. I'm also, we also learn how to work with crystals. Oh, cool. Um, so that's something else as well. And they learn to manifest with crystals and how to use the, um, how to harness the energy of crystals. Um, so the most, I would say common thing I see is people wanting to feel more connected to source and feel more connected to their higher self so they can get out of fear mm -hmm. and just really walk that path where they're leading from their heart mm -hmm. and what lights them up. That's probably what I see the most of. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like the person that you're working with is already sort of aware of these 
skills or this, this, they, they know it exists. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they're like, how do I do this? And they're, they're also questioning, am I doing this right? Because sometimes I hear things, but I don't know if it's my intuition or am I just sounding crazy? Do I sound crazy? I think I sound crazy. Yeah. And they start to doubt themselves. And then their, their brain is going all over the place with it. Um, and I do also get a few, this last round we just did, I had actually quite a few who were very analytical and they're like, this isn't serving me anymore. I do, 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 do. And I really want to just be in that place where I can be in alignment and channel who I truly am. And they're like, I just know that this hustle is not the way to get there. And they're like, how do I get, how do I stop that? And so what we're working on is not only calming the brain and calming the external world, we're calming your internal world. Mm-hmm. So you can you calm both worlds and we live in harmony with both of them. Yeah, I mean, I almost think of it too um, as something not exactly in the mental health arena, although I could see there would be benefits even for someone who was having some challenges with mental health to tap more into the sense of trusting themselves to maybe open their mind to different ideas around um, different levels of energy and tapping into energy. So it's interesting mm-hmm. when you think about, you know, when, especially when you gave that example of like the type A person who's sort of seeing that lifestyle as something that they don't want to continue because of the toll it's taking on them yes. and introducing a lot of what you're talking about as a way to change the path of your life, like to change the path you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you do any, when you said cord cutting, one of the things I don't have a lot of experience with this, and I know that you have a Reiki background also. Yes. Yes. So do you use any of um, the tapping techniques when you work with people? Yes. So actually what we do, um, we do EFT inside Raise Your Vibration. Yes. So um, I bring in specialists. So their bonuses when they sign up is I bring in a mindset coach for them and they also get EFT. And so it is so much fun to see their whole journey through the EFT tapping, um, mindset coaching calls and yeah, we dive into that. So they, I'm giving them as many tools as possible because it's their journey and not one shoe fits everyone. So I'm here to help them in any way that's going to resonate and get them to where they want to be. And that means I'm going to provide you with my toolbox, but I also bring in other experts to help you. Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting because I think, um, like even when I was reading, I actually have my computer balancing on it right now. One of my favorite books on NLP um, by Tom Hubar, it's called NLP, The Essential Guide. And he talks about a neuro-linguistic technique of, he doesn't call it tapping, but he talks about just placing your first two fingers and kind of tapping where you would take your pulse as a reminder of something where if you're in a situation and you're like, let's say I'm teaching a class and I'm really, really nervous because of some situation, maybe there's another teacher in that class. And all of a sudden I walk into the room and I'm like freaking out. Oh my God, there's another teacher. She's a senior teacher, blah, blah, blah. But I know in my mind, I've taught yoga classes before that have gone really well. So I have some sort of physical sensation I do on my own body, almost like a tapping to Mm -hmm. remind me that I, I can do this. I 
I have a memory in my body of that good experience. And the physical tapping is sort of the reminder to myself to bring myself into that place in my own body. But it's so funny to me because not many people know about these things. Like I bet if I went to a party and said cord cutting, no one would really know what I was talking about for the most part. And yet, do you find that these tools, because it sounds like your program, especially your, it's you and you're bringing in different people to, to help them out as well. It's so comprehensive in like giving them a whole bunch of like real things that they can do. Like you can do meditation, you can do a cord cutting exercise, you can do EFT. Do you find at the end, what kinds of shifts do people experience based on where they were when they started and how they are at the end? Yeah. So quite a few, um, they release self-doubt and they start believing in themselves. I've also seen some people who come, I attract a lot of um, entrepreneurs, which was surprising for me because I didn't know that um, until I'd done a few rounds. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm seeing a common theme. And um, quite a few of them were like, they were working one type of job, but they want to take the leap, but they're not ready. They're not sure. And then it's not until they go through that they're like, I'm ready to own my dharma. And they start to step into that power of who, because the whole journey is remembering who you are. And that's when they, they come to realize their Dharma and why they came into this world and why they come into this life. And they're like, this is what I'm meant to do. And they find the courage to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They step out, they get out of their own way. That's Mm -hmm. what we find a lot. Yeah, it's funny. I when you said that, it reminded me of like my very first teacher training I went to in 2002, believe it or not. And I remember when we were at the airport waiting to connect in New York City to come back to Boston, some of the people in the training were saying things like they were going to go home and divorce their husband, they were going to, you know, quit their job. Like the the week long teacher training had brought up so many things about their dharma and about the direction they wanted their life to take that when we were waiting in the airport, everybody, so many people in our group, they were just feeling this compulsion to kind of change their life, like a bandaid ripping off type of thing. It just sort of reminded me of that when you were describing that. How long is your program? So it well, we're in the pro I'm, I am in the process of extending it. It was six weeks. Our last round was six weeks. And something that I was tuning and picking up is that my students needed more time to integrate and yeah. really be with the energy. So I am now extending the program to eight weeks oh, cool. and giving, giving them time so they can just sit in the new energies instead of let's go, go, go. Yeah. Um, because it is, it is a lot and raising your vibration and this path, it's not a, oh, I did a course and I'm done. This yeah, is something switch. That, yeah, you're, you're, we're doing this until the day we should, we, we cross. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, it's, you're always going to be learning more about yourself. You're always going to be um, expanding and learning and evolving. Mm-hmm. So I'm just giving, I'm giving them the tools to get started and mm-hmm. really start to feel it. Yeah. Do you feel though that the people in your program, you know, if there's sort of like a thermometer of like what their set point is in terms of their vibration, I know this is like a really out there question. Do you feel though that people feel like there is an elevated level of just their general vibe, maybe that they can 
sort of say like, wow, I was here when I started. Now my set point is higher and I can sort of like talk myself out of going back to that way of being I was before. Yes. So, um, and this is how I, how I help, how they discover that. And we do this on our first call together. And I tell, I talk to them about, so I want you to think of it as a scale of one to 10, one being low, 10 being high. Obviously we are not copying it at 10, but this is something tangible for you to track your progress. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always like to say like 10 plus, um, and I ask them, I want you to think of a time in your life where maybe you got married, something really excited happened, or you started a family, or you just got the house you really wanted, or that car you wanted. What set point emotion were you at on a scale of one to 10? And then I ask them, okay, now that just a few weeks have gone by and now a few months, where did you drop back down to? That honeymoon phase is over. Mm-hmm. And they tend to come in around a five. Mm-hmm. And that not everybody, but that is an average. Um, and then from there, we move up the emotional scale because your vibration, your frequency, that's your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're moving up. Mm-hmm. And so then they can track that by the end of the program. Yeah. Okay. Where are you now? Yeah. So they have, yes, because mm-hmm. everything I talk about is extremely woo. It's very out there, but of course I have to ground it for you. I have to give you something tangible. We're human beings and humans like something tangible. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So maybe like I thought for the last couple minutes here, are there some things that anybody can do on a daily basis to kind of raise their vibration? I mean, are there certain things that you Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a few things. One, okay, let's get state of gratitude will always be one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, just being grateful, being grateful for the things that you have in your life, that there was once a time where you go, gosh, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. You do have it. And how often have we forgotten? Oh yeah. I did really want that. Yeah. Every just- time I look at my mini Cooper, I am in such gratitude because of the whole experience of getting it. So I can totally, you know, and, and I guess I don't know. I don't want that to sound materialistic, but I really do tap into gratitude that I did the work and I found this like diamond yeah. in the rough. It's an older car, but yet perfect condition. So um, yeah, I can totally. So you're saying that's one thing you can do on a regular basis. Absolutely. Okay. Just starting your morning, writing down things you're grateful for. Other things you can do is being in nature and connecting with nature. Mm-hmm. nature, um, and even bringing nature into your house, plants, plants are alive and plants, um, they absorb negative energy in your home as well. So having plants in your home, loving, if you have a dog or a cat, a four-legged animal, they take on your energy. They mirror you. So love them because they are true four-legged angels that walk, walk amongst us that we can hold Love that. so loving loving your animals as well um another one is just walking around becoming the observer mm-hmm. because so much of the the stress unhappiness the anxiety the freaking out the worriedness it comes from or self-doubt comes from the monkey mind and if you can get to know that human part of yourself and just realize oh that's that's my, that's me being a human. That's normal. Right. <laughs> and not to shame yourself and have emotions 
of getting now mad that you're mad and just be like, oh, that's all it is. It's just me being a human. Okay. Yeah. And go on. Yeah. Okay. Those are, those are great. Um, can you say a little bit if people have crystals in their home, is there anything like special they should be doing with them? I'm asking for a friend, <laughs> a bunch, but I'm like, what am I really supposed to be doing with these things? Yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. So what we want to do with crystals is oh, there's so many things that we you yeah, can manifest I, and create, but for, just a couple things for, for home, if you, for your house. So the way I have them is <laughs> I have it right here on window seals is I have hematite and okay. hematite. I have it. Um, I have it cleared. I program it and hematite is very grounding and protective. So my hematite is programmed to protect my home and the energy of my house, which means my home is safe. And this is our energy. And I'm not taking on the energy from our next door neighbors. Their stuff stays over there. No matter what they're going through, everything, energy is always moving, right? None of their stuff is moving into our place. It's like a bubble around our house that we're protected. So that's what I have with hematite. You can also use that with black tourmaline as yoga teachers. also highly recommend wearing black tourmaline as well, because when you're working with your students, they're releasing and moving that stagnant energy in their body. And when that energy is being brought out, you don't want to become the sponge and absorb it and take it on for your students. Mm. You want to hold the space for them, but not be, let me take it on for you. So when you have crystals on that are programmed, hematite, black tourmaline, um, labdurite, those are aura protectors, aura protectors, protecting your energy. You can still be strong in your personal power, but you're not taking it on. Mm. Yeah. I think, uh, that's a good example because, um, that kind of brings us back to this whole idea of personal power. Like if you go into the room and you're taking energetically on all of that stuff from your students, or you're worried they're going to get hurt, or you're sort of letting them decide, you know, oh, make the class really hard today, or let's do a lot of this, or let's do a lot of that. And you're sort of giving that power away along Mm -hmm. with taking on whatever is happening. I think that's a really important for teachers to think about, you know, I can be a facilitator and a conduit energetically, it doesn't mean though that I am like a sponge. I thought that sponge yeah. was a really great visual because you don't want to be a sponge. <laughs> you don't want to be a sponge. Yes. And if you ever um, feel that happening, one of my favorite visualizations as well as I like to see it is like picking up someone's car keys of like, oh, nope, they don't belong to me. You just give it right back. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good one. I think that's a really good one. And almost, um, you know, I haven't done, I only have done one cord cutting exercise. I think though that cord cutting, I mean, even if, um, sometimes I think students can create sort of a dependency with a particular teacher and only want to practice with that one teacher or always want to be in the front or always ask a lot of questions or always wait after class. Like, oh my goodness, (laughs) sort of kind of read that that person is sort of emotionally like attached to you. And, um, I could see that that cord cutting might be something and it's even for the benefit of the person, right? Cause it's not absolutely if they're, and you're, 
I think it's so important to understand when you're cutting cords, you're not hurting anyone. You're not, you're, all you're doing is just, you're sending love and saying, thank you for the, this, um, this lesson. I choose to stand complete. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. And you're releasing it and you're giving it back. And you're actually, the other person involved actually benefits. They, everyone has free will. They have an opportunity to stand complete with the situation too, or they can continue on, but they'll go in their own direction, not coming back at right. you. Right. You have agency over whether or not you want to be part of that dynamic. And you're kind of saying, I'm cutting this cord. So I don't want to be. Yes. Yeah, that is so cool. So, um, so why don't you, as we wrap up here, why don't you tell people how they can find out more about you and this program? Because I bet we have a lot of intuitive people out there listening. I think yoga teachers tend to kind of be tapped into this sort of energetic topic. Absolutely. So I'm sure there will be people who want to check and follow you on Instagram or, or those kinds yeah. of places. So tell, tell us how to find you. Yes. Okay. So to find me, I am on Instagram at Jill, J-I-L-L underscore Fubister. And I know it's spelled kind of tough. F-O-U-B-I-S-T-E-R, Jill Fubister on Instagram. And um, on there, I have my uh, jilltrainings.com where you can get on the wait list. I do raise your vibration coaching program is my signature coaching program. And that is all done live. It is not automated. I'm tuning to your frequency and your energy where we can talk coach, and I will guide you on our journey of remembering who you are, which is a very powerful experience. I also host intuition retreats in Sedona. Um, and that's a truly awesome experience because I cap it at 12 people. So I can really work with you in person. And that's a two day full experience in the magic of Sedona. Yeah, that sounds like a perfect place for it. I hear so much these days about Sedona, you know, just as, I mean, even really back during the heat of COVID, the beginning of COVID, people seem to be going out there in droves. So it yeah. seems to be just the physical space, very spiritual and a good place for that type of retreat. That sounds really great. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. Well, the whole theme of, you know, where you said the whole point of your program is to let go and get you to be, <clears throat> tapping into your authentic way. That just is so much the theme of what I teach yoga teachers. So I'm so glad that that's kind of a place of connection for us. And I didn't actually mm -hmm. literally know it was going to go there. It's just so good <laughs> that it did. So I want to just thank you so much for being here and chatting with me on the show. And I just, this will go live on Monday. Today is, what's today? Today's Wednesday. So Monday, this will go live. I like to- oh, I'm meet with people and like, right, get it out there. So it's like I a conversation. Yeah. So I'll send well, you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I appreciate it. It was so much fun chatting with you. <laughs> and really, I saw so many similarities. I feel like this is definitely spot on um, in terms of what we talked about. There'll be a lot of connections for the listeners. So yeah. well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you soon. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page 
And I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you wanna to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit, and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.